time, weather, and highways pass. Road Trip Radio. Welcome to Road Trip Radio. This is the show for all the families out there on the Trans-Canada Highway, or perhaps lost on a gravel road in the middle of nowhere, or maybe just hanging out in the backyard having a barbecue. I'm Caitlin Howden. And I'm Pat Kelly, and on today's Road Trip Radio, we're lucky enough to be focusing on Canada's only officially bilingual province, New Brunswick. So for the next little bit, we're going to be paying all of our attention towards what makes New Brunswick so great. Uh, And I can speak from experience. I had the best chicken club sandwich there I've ever had in my life. Thank you, Fredericton. But before we go any further, it's time to learn a little bit about a place we call New Brunswick. Get to know New Brunswick. New Brunswick is home to the highest tides in the world at the Bay of Fundy. Every day, 160 billion tons of seawater goes in and out. That's equivalent to 100 million bajillion gajillion slurpees going in and out of the bay every day. That's real math. Also real math, 85% of New Brunswick is forest, which means only 15% of the province is splinter-free. New Brunswick has more than 60 covered bridges. At 390 meters, the longest wooden covered bridge in the world is at Heartland. These bridges are often called kissing bridges, as it is good luck to kiss the bridge before you cross it. My first boyfriend was a bridge. Anyways, I think that's about all the facts you need to know about New Brunswick, and certainly all the facts you need to know about bridges. Also on the show, we have some quiz time with your favorite trivia duo, Zoe and Sophia. We hear a ghost story. We find out why New Brunswick road signs are weird. And of course, we will be joined by our roving reporter, Peter Oldring, who's already out there on the front lines. Peter, are you there in New Brunswick? Hey, Caitlin, how are you? Great to hear your voice, and and great to join you on Road Trip Radio from New Brunswick. And I'm uh, having a a fantastic time, a beautiful province. I'm actually uh, in a pretty spooky part of of New Brunswick. I'm I'm at a place called Magnetic Hill, which, as I understand it, is kind of Canada's Bermuda Triangle. Uh, A lot of paranormal stuff happening here. Uh, I'm told uh, cars roll uphill. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm uh, waiting to experience that myself here in uh, a place that doesn't adhere to the rules of physics. <laughs> Peter, I don't think it's actually that mysterious. I think it's an optical illusion. I don't know about that. Uh, that may be how some people are trying to explain uh, what really is inexplicable. Uh, but I can tell you this, uh, Caitlin, uh, uh, please do stand by because as Mulder and Scully once said, the truth is out there. And, uh, and I'm going to find it. I will. I will find it. Yeah. Okay, Peter. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. I hope so. I hope I don't just I disappear. <laughs> yes. Ooh. Radio. Good news, Canada. Coming up later on Road Trip Radio, it's a brand new season of the hit genealogy series, Do You Know Who the Heck You Are? Now, we did some digging, and this is incredible. But the Pacific Ocean was named after your grandfather. But my grandfather's name was Samir. No, your grandfather's name was Pacific Ocean. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It makes so much sense. 
This season has more fun, more excitement, and more amazing stories about Canadians discovering family surprises. Is this true? I'm afraid it is. I always thought I was born in Calgary, but it turns out I was actually born in Edmonton? Yeah. I need, I need a moment. Find out why critics are calling Do You Know Who The Heck You Are? A feel-good radio sensation. Oh my goodness. This, it's my grandmother's email address. We thought we'd lost it. Oh, it's a hotmail. I'm going to email my grandmother. You better. All this and more coming up on Road Trip Radio's Do You Know Who The Heck You Are? And now, In Conversation. If you're listening to this while on a road trip, there's a good chance you're on your way to go camping. And if you're camping, well, you'll need a good ghost story. We found a whopper of one called the Dungarvan Hooper. I'll repeat that. It's called the Dungarvan Hooper. Bernie Kolpa is an expert on this famous New Brunswick tale, and he joins us on the phone to tell us a little bit more about it now. Bernie, thanks so much for joining us on Road Trip Radio. No problem. So the Dungarvan Hooper, as far as I understand, it's a, a famous ghost story from uh, New Brunswick. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what it is. Well, sure. All right. Well, about back about 150 years ago, uh, there were many strange and weird things happening in the north woods of New Brunswick along the Miramichi River. And one of the strangest tales to come out of there was the story of an unexplained death in a lumber camp. And in one particular camp, the men went out to work one day, and when they came back that evening after dark, they found their young cook recently arrived from Ireland, dead and laid out on his cot, on his bed, with no marks on him, but he was definitely dead. Uh, the snow had started falling. The men were afraid to keep the body in the camp at night. They were superstitious, and that was not a good thing to do. So they argued over where and what to do with the body. But they decided at the end of it that the only thing they could do would be in the wintertime and the ground frozen, that they could bury him close to the spring where the, where the ground was soft. So the men carried his body out to the woods. They buried him and started back to the camp when they were beset by hoops and screams and yells all throughout the woods. The men were very afraid. They could hardly get out of the woods. They broke the trail and finally they made it out of there and refused to return. So for many years, there were many tales of strange happenings in the woods of uh, people dying and nobody knowing why, of strange noises, of camps being torn apart, of uh, just strange sounds in the woods that nobody could de- identify. And one of the weirdest ones were hoops that people heard in the woods. Some of the old fellows that will say that they have heard the hoops coming out of the woods from all different directions, even till today. If you were to do your best impression of what the hoops would sound like, what would it be, Bernie? That's terrifying. So you mean to tell me if I was in the area just walking around the woods, there's a there's a good chance that I would hear that coming from the woods? 
There is. There is. And it could come from one direction and then another direction and then another direction. So this is one of the things that was part of the legend is that the hoops came from all around you. So you just didn't know what was going on. And what are people's reaction uh, in the area to this story? Do people still believe it? And do people go out into the woods to uh, attempt to hear the hoops themselves? There was a, a cousin of mine, an older lady, a number of years ago, she said to her son, she said, I've never been to the Hooper Spring. I've lived here all my life, and I want to go to the Hooper Spring. Delbert, you take me. So that was fine. Delbert said, sure, Mom, let's go. So they put the four-wheeler in the back of the truck. They drove as far as they could, got the four-wheeler off, got her on it. They drove into the spring. But she had brought a cup with her, and she had a drink of water out of the spring, and she won at the bingo the next three times she played. So wait, you're telling me the water uh, is good luck? It, it makes you better looking and helps you win at the bingo. Now I have a theory here. Yeah? Although our cook may be haunting the area with, its, with his uh, hooping and his screaming, he was Irish, so he put the luck of the Irish into the spring, and anyone who drinks that water will have a good chance of winning the bingo. I like that. I never thought of it that way. You mind if I use that? I've just contributed to the story. You did. You're now part of the legend. Amazing. Bernie, thanks so much for being on uh, Road Trip Radio. And please, yes, put my part of the story into the story from now on. I will do that for sure. You're listening to Road Trip Radio. This is you doing quizzes on the open road with us, Sophia and Zoe. Whales, tall tails, spuds, and buds. Let's hit the road. You want to go? Go. Let's go. All right. Okay. Cool. Fine. Let's hit the road. Yeah. Whale, 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 everyone. It's about that time. Time to dive in the St. Lawrence River. Did you say that on porpoise? (laughs) You're grilling me with these whale puns. Speaking of the St. Lawrence, you know what I've always wondered? What's that? Which whale in the St. Lawrence River your personality is most similar to? If you can believe that, I have always wondered that about you. Let's do a quiz. (laughs) That sounds fin. I mean, fun. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's start things off here. I'm going to ask you three questions about your personality. If you answer yes to two or more of those questions, you may have just found your spirit whale. Cool. Let's go. One. You've got a booming voice. Your call has been recorded up to 1,600 kilometers away. That's the distance between Toronto and Nova Scotia. Two, you've got a big appetite. In a single meal, you might consume 150,000 calories. When it comes to krill, you don't count how many go down the hatch. Three, you like your you time. You float around with other whales on occasion, but in general, it's just you, the krill, and the wide open ocean. Did you answer yes to two or more of these questions? Guess what? You're a blue whale. A friendly giant of the open ocean. The blue whale is the biggest animal that has ever lived on Earth, and that includes dinosaurs. This wasn't you? Follow along for the next two. One, you're generally a cheerful person. Some might say you have a permanent smile. Two, you also love to sing. Zoe, hit it. (laughs) (laughs) You're called the canary of the sea because of your advanced vocal repertoire. Say that three times fast, (laughs) which includes whistles, chattering, and squeals. 
Three, you're a bit of a homebody. Actually, you're the only cetacean that sticks around the St. Lawrence year-round. By the way, cetacean is the scientific classification for whales, dolphins, and porpoises. Two or more of these hit home for you? Ding, ding, you're a beluga whale. But if it doesn't sound like you, you best baleen. We've got one more whale to go. One, unlike some of your friends, you like to stick around the St. Lawrence over the summer. Beach sunsets and calm starry nights are the ticket for you. (sighs) Two, you have a unique birthmark that sets you apart from other whales of the same species. You wear it on your tail, loud and proud, and show it off when you dive. Researchers identify you through your individual markings. Three, you're a real mama's whale. You like to stick around your mama way longer than some of the other whale species. Whale longer. In some cases, as long as two years. Sounds like a whale of a time. If this sounds familiar, you are a humpback whale. Well, that was fun. Should we dive in? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go for a swim. See you in the St. Lawrence. And we're back with more Road Trip Radio. I'm Pat Kelly, and as always, I'm joined by Caitlin Howden. And today we are looking at all things New Brunswick. One thing you need to know if you're visiting New Brunswick is some of the local slang. Now, Caitlin, you are proudly bilingual, which means, of course, you speak French and English. Bonjour, hello, yep. Uh, But I want to see if you're bilingual in English and New Brunswickian. Well, (laughs) I can tell you right now that I'm not. But I am willing to take this test. All right. So what we're going to do here is I'm going to give you some slang that only people in New Brunswick know. And you see if you can guess what it means. Okay, great. Does that sound good? Okay. Uh, your first word of slang is spleeny. What does spleeny mean in New Brunswick? Spleeny. Um, I don't know. Someone incapable of enduring physical pain. Yeah, that's right. Oh, cool. Did you just guess that? Yeah. Well, Lucky guess. I guess, yeah. 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 Okay, well, here's one that's maybe a little harder. It's a phrase that you might find somebody in in New Brunswick saying, okay? Holy lifting. Holy lifting. Holy lifting. Holy lifting. Holy lifting. Oh, it's something that you say when you're surprised or frustrated, like, holy lifting. That is correct. Wow, okay, great. Okay, this one uh, is a real hard one, and it's okay if you don't get it. Uh, What does potato break mean in New Brunswick, if you were to say... It's a potato break. Pat, come on. A potato break? Yeah. That's super easy. It's a two-week vacation from school granted to children living in the potato belt of New Brunswick in September so that they can help with the harvest. Duh. (laughs) How did you know that? Pat, everyone knows what a potato break is. Besides, it's time for us to check in with Peter. Last time we checked, Peter was either going up or down Magnetic Hill. Peter? Caitlin, yes, hi. I'm here. I'm in the uh, Ford Focus that I've rented, nicely appointed. I'm sitting at the bottom of Magnetic Hill. Uh, My foot is on the brake. I'm ready to remove my foot from the brake and see what paranormal activity is here that is going to pull me up this hill. Now, Peter, what is the ideal result that we're looking for out of this Magnetic Hill adventure? I think that I survive. I think that I'm still on Earth. I think that I don't disappear into another dimension. I mean, you know, when you open up that window, that portal uh, into the unknown, uh, you really don't know what might happen. Um, I'm assuming the car will roll up the hill, but then again, it may not stop. I may enter another window in time. 
And Magnetic Hill is an optical illusion. Is that right, Peter? Uh, my understanding is that something very unusual is afoot. And speaking of a foot, I'm about to take a foot, my foot, off the brake of the... Oh, my gosh, my foot's off the brake and I'm rolling. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm rolling uphill. I'm rolling uphill. This car. Oh, weird. <laughs> I'm rolling uphill. I'm rolling uphill right now, Caitlin. There's no explanation for this. Oh. Are you rolling up the hill or, or are you actually rolling down the hill? I'm rolling up the hill. I mean, I'm going straight up the hill, you know, next stop the moon kind of situation here. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I feel like I'm going to find Jimmy Hoffa here, you know what I mean? Or, or a Bigfoot. It's, it's just kind of that sort of weird, oh, my gosh, I knew it. The truth is out there. The truth was out there. I knew it. Oh. You know what, Peter, we're going to step away. Uh, maybe now would be a good time to just let him have this moment to himself. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh. High tides, covered bridges, two beautiful coastlines. These are the things that you might have read about or even experienced when it comes to the province of New Brunswick. But there's something else a little odd about this maritime province. Something that you've probably never noticed before. Roadship Radio contributor Matt Tunnicliffe tells us more. Hey, welcome to New Brunswick. If you were to make a list just off the top of your head of all the provinces of Canada, and you're not from the Maritimes, chances are New Brunswick is the province you'd probably name last. I mean, if you remember us at all. And that's cool. We're used to it. We're just quietly doing our own thing, hanging on to the eastern edge of the continent. But I'm here to tell you something you probably didn't know about New Brunswick. It's kind of a secret. And here it is. New Brunswick road signs are really... Weird. Yeah, that's right. I said it. And I don't mean the big green signs that point you in the direction you want to go. Those look normal. I'm talking about the smaller signs, the ones below the big green signs. They're usually blue, sometimes brown, and they're there to tell drivers what's of interest at the next exit. You know the ones. Gas pump for gas station, tent for campground, picnic table for picnic area. We've got those. But we've got more. Way more. And that's when things get weird. Here, I'll prove it to you. I'm Anna McKinnon, and I'm 11 years old. I am Cameron McKinnon, and I am 10 years old. I'm Jeff McKinnon, and I'm Anna and Cameron's dad. Meet the McKinnon family. They live in Sackville, New Brunswick. I'm sitting around their kitchen table, and I've got a tablet computer with images of strange road signs that I've collected from my travels around the province. I'm going to give them a little test. I'm going to get them to describe the image on the sign and see if they can guess what they mean. And keep in mind, these are actual road signs our actual provincial government put up in order to get actual people to turn off the highway. Let's begin. I see a hand holding a jar, probably, or a cup. He's not even holding it. He's levitating it. It's a a Jedi. He's he's using the force. That's what he's doing. I would say it is a pottery factory. I think it's a pottery factory, too. This is actually a sign for crafts or craft market. And yes, it is strange. Every time I see the strange pot and waving hand, I think, magician convention ahead. Okay, next sign. A fish that's floating under the water and I think a family inside a house. Um, I would say it's like there's a dock nearby, and I think it may be a seafood restaurant. 
because it's like a family and there's a fish. So we... This is actually the sign for aqua tourism, whale watching, marine museums, fishing trips and the like. And it is really bizarre. I still have no idea why the fish is flying. All right, next one. It looks kind of like a wave that ends in like a fern, maybe. So an ocean. It's like a surfing de destination where you can go. There's usually like a lot of big waves there, so. But it also kind of looks like a periwinkle shell, maybe. Maybe an eel. This is actually the provincial sign for waterfall. At least, I think it's waterfall. It could be an eel or a shell. It is very stylized, but yeah, waterfall. Next one's a little easier. A bed, like a hotel sign, and an egg cup. Any guess as to what it might be? Breakfast in bed. Close enough. It's actually bed and breakfast. My last road sign is my personal favorite. It's a hazard sign for strong winds that features an angry cloud with an old man's face blowing arrows across a road. Here's what Anna and Karen see in it. A demon blowing air onto the road. What I see is Donald Trump's face with a hamburger mouth blowing air out onto the road. Now, to get a little more insight into sign design, I met up with Clarka Weinworm in Sackville's Windy Waterfowl Park. She's a graphic designer and mainly does things like album art and poster design for bands. Cool stuff that's meant to stand out, just like a road sign. Here's what she had to say about what makes good design. Something striking and something that's balanced. We're attracted to things that are balanced in a certain way. Um, obviously, everyone is attracted to different things, but you kind of want to find something that's neutral to the general public. So let's talk about these New Brunswick uh, road signs. What are they trying to do visually here? Yeah, they're pretty cartoony, pretty animated kind of images. I see them directed towards kids a lot of the time. I don't know if it's meant to be comedic, but they definitely are. It's a tough thing to convey a message without, with just image. So could we do better? It's hard to say. As a final test, I went back to Anna and Cameron McKinnon, gave them some square pieces of paper, a box of markers, and a time limit. And then we made some signs. All right, so what do we have for crafts? I drew a hand holding scissors, a cut piece of paper, a stack of paper, and a glitter shaker. Um, I have a stick man sitting on a stool with a with one of those things where we create pottery or stuff. Agritourism, what do you got? I'm not really good, good at drawing animals, so I just put like stables. What do we have for aquatourism? I drew some kelp, some coral, and a fish swimming, and two stick figures and a tour guide pointing at the fish. Some good creative ideas there, and we'll be sure to forward them along to the provincial government. Before I head on down the highway, let me leave you with two theories on why I think New Brunswick signs look the way they do. I'll call the first theory the two-language theory. New Brunswick is Canada's only official bilingual province, something we're pretty proud of. In other provinces, you do get some strange road signs, but they're usually followed by an explanation of what exactly they mean. But to do it in two languages would take too much text on a sign. So we're left with just the sign, no words next to it, and we're meant to puzzle out exactly what that fish is doing floating above a house with people in it. The second theory is more conspiracy theory. As I mentioned off the top, New Brunswick is used to being a little forgotten. We're nicknamed the drive-through province after all. And if you're going to get people to actually turn off the freeway and explore the less traveled beauty of this place, then you've got to get people curious. 
And what better way to get people curious than by bombarding them with strange road signs? I mean, who wouldn't want to visit a place that featured mysterious urns, shell-shaped waterfalls, eggs, beds, and of course, Donald Trump blowing hot air from a hamburger mouth. For Road Trip Radio, I'm Matt Tonicliffe in Sackville, New Brunswick. For photos of all these wacky and wonderful New Brunswick signs, check out Road Trip Radio on Instagram. Out on the road, Road Trip Radio. Road Trip Radio Community Calendar. It's now time for the New Brunswick Community Calendar brought to you by these crazy kids. A warning, only one of these events is real and it's up to you to decide which one it is. In celebration of Canada 150, New Brunswick's history will be projected onto the legislature building in Fredericton all summer long. When's the last time you watched a movie on a building? On Saturday, it's sleep-in day in New Brunswick. People of all ages are encouraged to throw their alarm clocks in the garbage and sleep in as long as they like. On Monday, it's sideburns for a day. When citizens are invited to grow their sideburns for a day. For charity. And that's the Road Trip Radio community calendar brought to you by these crazy community kids. Road Trip Radio is made possible with the support of our sponsors. Woolco's Department Store, Eaton's Department Store, and the 46th Annual Canada Grand Royal Boat Show. It's the 46th Annual Canada Grand Royal Boat Show. With vendors from around the country and around the world, there's something for every boat lover. And this year, if you buy one boat, you get a second boat for free. That's right, the more boats you buy, the more boats you get for free. We have big boats, small boats, sailboats, speedboats, barges, dinghies, and junks. Houseboats, trawlers, yachts, banana boats, lifeboats, fishing boats, kayaks, canoes, ocean liners, bumper boats, sloops, and so many tugboats you won't believe your eyes. Buy five boats, get two boats free. Buy ten boats, get four. And if you have the guts to buy all the boats, you get half price. Come on, don't be a coward. Buy all the boats at the 46th Annual Canada Grand Royal Boat Show next weekend at the Memorial Auditorium. Use the password BOATS to get half price on your entry fee. You're listening to Road Trip Radio. What you are about to hear is true. These events occurred a few years ago in the Canadian wilderness. Some names have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. Last time on the Spaghetti Bandit, a family shows up in the spring to open up their cabin only to find that someone had been living there, stashing dirty dishes in the fireplace and empty spaghetti cans in the woods. They thought it was an isolated incident. It wasn't. I'm Grant Lawrence, and this is the story of the Spaghetti Bandit. Chapter 2. The Cave Almost a year before the discovery of the cabin break-in, something far more disturbing occurred about 10 kilometers deeper into the wilderness. Jenny, a First Nations guardian, was escorting an archaeologist to a secret, sacred burial cave high on a cliffside. 
it was only accessible by boat. On that summer day, the Guardian pulled her zodiac up to the shore and the archaeologists hopped out first. Familiar with the site and the trail, the archaeologist started climbing up the extremely steep grade. As she continued to climb, the distinct smell of wood smoke drifted into her nostrils. Soon, she heard the crackle of a fire. It was a hot summer that year. There was a province-wide fire ban. She came into the clearing and the entrance to the cave. She stood frozen in fear at what she saw. Hunched over a small campfire about 50 feet away was a thin man, about 30 years old with long, straggly black hair. He rose slowly to his full six-foot height when he noticed the young archaeologist. No words were spoken as she regained control of herself and slowly backed down the trail. Soon she met Jenny on her way up. When Jenny heard there was a man at the burial site, she was perplexed. They hadn't seen another boat along the shoreline or in the bushes along the trail. How did the man get here? Together, Jenny and the archaeologist returned to the clearing to confront the man. Who are you? What are you doing here? Jenny called from the edge of the clearing. The man was at the entrance of the cave now, his clothes tattered, his posture hunched. He was missing several teeth. Camping. The man replied in a low, unsure voice. His camping gear appeared to be minimal. All the women noticed was a white plastic bag sitting near the mouth of the cave and a crumpled blue sleeping bag. Well, you can't camp here, Jenny shouted back. This is a First Nations burial site. How did you find this place? She questioned. I walked. You walked from where? From the road. What road? There's no road around here for miles, buddy. From the end of the logging road. Jenny and the archaeologist glanced at each other. The end of the logging road was many kilometers away as the crow flies through dense, seemingly impenetrable forests, mountains, valleys, and lakes. Jenny knew there was an ancient network of First Nations trails through that forest, but doubted this white boy would have the wherewithal to find them. And yet... Here he was. You know there's a fire ban, eh? Jenny squinted at the fire and a feeling of horror passed over her. What are you burning? For the next installment of the Spaghetti Bandit, head to the Saskatchewan episode. To start the story from the beginning, jump back to B.C. It's now time for a Road Trip Radio Language Minute, where we explore the words and phrases you might come across while talking your way through the country. In the Moncton area of New Brunswick, they speak a very unique hybrid of French and English, known as Chiac. Let's hear a little bit about it. My name is Catherine Lejeune. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my native dialect today. Chiac can be actually described as a mixture of traditional Acadian French and English. It's spoken in the Moncton area in southeastern New Brunswick, where I grew up. Chiac uses French grammar 
with English words and pronunciation. So you can find a Czech speaker using words like car, toaster, actually, weird. A Czech speaker might even borrow entire expressions from English like come on, get a grip. I'm going to give you a few examples of uh, the difference between standard French, Czech, and English. So in standard French, we have desserts called un carré au citron. In English, this dessert would be called a lemon square. But in Czech, we use the grammar of um, standard French. It will give this. It will give a square of lemon. So that's a little bit about Czech. That was another Road Trip Radio Language Minute. Well, we're headed towards the finish line here in New Brunswick. We've had a great episode, and if we look back... Holy on... lifting! Pat, we can't sign off yet. we got to check back in with Peter Aldrin. Holy lifting, you're right. Before we sign off, let's check in one more time with Peter Oldring, who just completed his role up Magnetic Hill. Peter? Caitlin, how are you? Great. How was the trip? It was a life-altering experience, to say the very least. I was in a car, a Ford Focus, uh, that went up a hill. But in many ways, this is just the beginning of some kind of time-altering portal. Ooh, ooh, this is something. My watch has stopped at 1.30 exactly. Okay, well, now it's, it's okay, jump to 131. It's a digital watch. But that's, that makes you think. Oh, Peter. I just applied online uh, for my paranormal hunter's license. Uh, and as well, I've ordered a pair of night vision goggles from Cabela's. Caitlin, there's just so many questions that I need to find the answer to. Like, the CN Tower, who built it? And more importantly, what's it pointing at? know what I mean? Okay, Peter, we're going to let you go. we got to wrap up this episode, all right? Okay. I'm sure Peter will be fine. At least, I hope so. We leave you today with the sounds of the world's oldest red spruce, which is estimated to be over 445 years old. Wow. You can just picture the bark. You know, listening to that, I could have sworn it was a younger tree. Well, we'll see you next time on Road Trip Radio. You know, I'm worried about Peter. Oh, me too. Yeah, big time. Oh, yeah. Road Trip Radio has been made possible by the Government of Canada and is produced by Kelly and Kelly Creative and Sumo Audio. Researched by Matt Masters, Janice Tufford, and Leslie Johnson. With contributions by Dave Shumka, Brian Short, Paul Tedeschini, Sophia LePage, Zoe Robertson, Grant Lawrence, Jen Bohm, Naomi Sneekis, Matt Barham, Mike Balazzo, Sandy Jobin Bevins, and the Road Trip Radio Kids from Arts Umbrella in Vancouver. Yeah! Keep listening to Road Trip Radio, broadcasting 24 hours a day.